0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org.
1: As most of you probably have been reading the news the past few days, I have been also, and um, you know, I think one of the first responses of a human mind in the face of something, a tragedy, as happened on Sunday morning in Orlando, is how do we make sense of it? Our mind goes to wanting to understand what happened so that we can make sense of it. There's a, I read this morning an article in the New York Times which uh, really to me, spoke. it spoke so much to what's been going on in my own mind. It was a kind of a big picture looking at the context behind what's happening And in this article it said, Efforts to divine a motivation, we look to what what happened, why did it happen, why did that person do that thing? Efforts to divine a motivation speak to a desire to make sense of seemingly senseless violence. Offering an explanation, whether it is radical Islam or mental illness or homophobia or gun access, is also a way of trying to comfort ourselves by asserting false clarity over something that is ultimately unknowable the chain of personal experiences and decisions that led this man to murder 49 people in Orlando and this complexity is what my heart has been exploring and holding these past days the teaching of the Buddha in this Time. I think the first thing that we are asked to do is not it is to try to understand what's happening in a way I mean that, that the whole of the Buddhist teaching is framed around understand suffering the first noble truth there is suffering and what do we have to do about it? What is the action that will support us in this to understand it? Now that understanding that we're asked to explore in our, in our practice isn't about thinking about and trying to figure out who did what and why and who's to blame, but more what is this experience of suffering? This is a vast experience of suffering, and it begins by exploring our personal experience of suffering. There's so many responses to a tragedy like this. Confusion, sadness, anger, hatred. possibly even something like joy if a loved one survived and the confusion around that of feeling joy in the midst of tragedy. Our human minds are so complex and we are asked to not repress what's going on in our minds, but to open to it with our hearts the fullness of our hearts and see what does it feel like to sit in the middle of that how do we sit in the middle of suffering i think often the the movements of anger and hatred you know they're 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 a natural response to the pain in some ways the pain of of confusion and loss and grief it's like you know our minds want that the anger is almost a shield from feeling some of that pain sometimes the anger hmm. somebody's to blame we think and it it uh, this the, the uh, this this next paragraph speaks to this There's a strong impulse, particularly in America, to do something after a tragedy. If we know why the tragedy happened, we'll know what to do. And uh, the anger kind of gives direction to our what to do. (coughs) And yet, (coughs) the, the teaching from the Dhammapada Points us to maybe Gil mentioned this. I know he talked about this last night. And this famous line from the Dhammapada: "Hatred never ceases through hatred. Through non-hatred alone does hatred cease." And so that that shift or that that opening to what's here. You know, it's not that we repress the anger and the hatred because repression puts it underground and allows it to kind of erupt in ways that happened for this person seemingly some of what was going on was a repression of aspects of his own experience maybe a small piece of what happened there And so we're not trying to repress our exploration of our feelings. We're not trying to express our, uh, repress our feelings. And yet we're also, it it can also be challenging to open to the pain that underlies such automatic movements to, I need to figure this out, I need to understand, I need to blame someone. It's so much easier to feel that pain than it is to have our hearts break from recognizing that greed, aversion, confusion are at the source, at the root of all of our suffering. And so the Buddha's exploration asks us to explore the, the, uh, understand what is this? What is this experience of suffering? As we open to that, we see there's such a complicated mixture in there. You know, it's not just, it's not just our own minds doing their thing. There's some of that in there our own conditioning, our own upbringing, our own response and reaction to events. And that's, that's a level that needs to be open to for sure. That's probably the first level that we need to open to. How, how is this being... Can I not uh, resist... How this being is in this experience, and so recognizing that there's so it's it's so the, the practice of going in in that way of opening to and understanding the threads of all of our conflicted, confused, perhaps experience the the anger the sadness confusion opening to all of it as we begin to open to it we see you know it's not it's not just about this being (laughs) that the Who we are, how we are, is intimately connected with how the world is. The conditioning forces in the world shape us. We are not immune from those conditioning forces in the world. And in turn, our response our own reactions and responses to those conditioning forces in turn shape the world and so anger is contagious hatred is contagious and we see we see this we see how you know in in looking at my own in my own experience, you know, the, the patterns of my, um, of my mind aren't just simply a product of my mind doing its thing. It's come because of how my parents were, how the culture was around me. It's very, very complex, who we are and how we are and why we are. And we can begin to see that complexity as we open to this. It's not simple when we open to this. We see just how amazingly woven together we are by threads from so many different places. At one point, I was um, exploring anger, you know, feeling into the anger of the ending of a relationship. And at one point in that exploration, I saw in that anger, and I felt pretty justified in that anger. You know, that person was not skillful in the way they treated me and uh, so there was a lot of anger about that and in that anger being willing to be with that not repressing it not pretending it wasn't there and also not jumping on the bandwagon of that anger and justifying it but that willingness okay this is this is what's going on I'm, this is anger this is how anger feels as I opened to that, I saw in my mind, and this is, the, this is the power of our mindfulness practice, opening with mindfulness to our reactions. I saw in my mind this wish for the person I was angry with to have some kind of harm come to them. that was a really eye-opening moment. I saw that movement of hatred and anger motivating that wish to harm. Or not so much that I would harm, but that they be harmed in some way. There was that wish for harm to come to that person. And in that moment, because I was mindful, because I was aware, I felt the pain of that wish and I felt the humbling reality that the seeds of war the seeds of violence the seeds of wishing harm are in here too how humbling and how painful to see that And yet I'd rather see it than not. I'd rather know it was there than not. When we know what's there, we can work with it. When we don't know what's there, it erupts in unskillful ways, often. And so we are asked to feel into that complexity and not resist it, not push it away. And recognize just how much interchange there is between how the world influences us and how we influence the world. As one person among Whatever it is on the planet right now, I've lost track. Seven and a half billion, something like that. It feels like, well, my actions don't have much impact. Sometimes we feel that way. And yet, how quickly anger spreads from anger. It's like a pool of gasoline and a match how quickly that can happen. And so not to underestimate the power of not acting on anger, but also not repressing it, not denying it. You know, love is also contagious. Compassion is also contagious. Wisdom is also contagious. The force of greed, aversion, and delusion is pretty powerful in our world and very strong. And yet the force of wisdom can begin to counter some of that movement. The force of wisdom and the force of ethics. There's so much, I think, with a tragedy like what happened on Sunday. So much, um, you know, wanting to take some action, you know, whatever it is that we kind of orient around. There's another really, there's a lot of wisdom in this article. Uh, By putting these attacks into familiar narratives, gun violence, homophobia, jihadism, we try to make sense of them, helping us to grieve and also to process danger and how to respond to it. And so this is very natural in some ways. We, we look at what happens and we, uh, we may have a particular orientation around How can we make sure this never happens again, you know? Get those assault weapons off the streets or uh, make sure that we build a wall. You know, we, we may orient towards particular narratives. This goes on, this article, it says, so it makes that sen- helps us to make sense of them. A- helps us to grieve. Yet even more, it allows us to validate a pre-existing worldview or belief whose truth we feel has gone unacknowledged. And this is a part of how our mind works. You know, when there's some aspect of this is, an, this is a piece of truth that has not been said No, this needs to be said yes that's, there's some truth there this does need to be said and yet we have to take care that we don't uh, kind of create a rigid container Around those worldviews, those truths, those perspectives, that doesn't allow us to see the complexity. The complexity of our own hearts multiplied by 7.5 billion. Of course. There's suffering in the world when we look in our own hearts and see how conflicted and confused our own hearts are. And that understanding can help us to maybe hold this with a little more... uh, Or maybe less rigidity. Hold it with less rigidity. A little more. Oh, wow. You know, ooh, feeling the buffeting of all the different threads. All the different aspects. And I want to speak to ethics here. You know, our practice points us to Understanding suffering, so understanding that complexity. And the Buddha also taught, looking at our actions. He taught his own seven-year-old son, you know, think about what you're going to do. Is it going to create harm in the world? If it is, don't do it. You know, there may be those, those movements of confusion or greed or aversion in our hearts that would motivate us, like my, my own mind saying, ah, oh, I hope that person gets their justice hurts from my own story. Yeah. So not to repress that, but then also to, as we see it, we have the option to not act out of that motivation not act out of that anger or hatred and the Buddha pointed us to you know if suffering is what we are looking at and trying to solve in our own lives then our actions our actions we should take care with our actions so that we don't contribute to suffering in the world You know the, the all of these different threads of you know the narratives of gun violence or homophobia or jihadism or you know, the different kind of things people will land on say that's what will make this never happen again. It's you know there's it's like. At one point in this morning, as I was reflecting about this, I thought, you know, there's not a silver bullet. There's not something that's going to fix the problem. Something external that we can do that will fix the problem. And yet, in some ways, there is a silver bullet. And that is, if every person on the planet at this moment decided... From this moment forward, I will not take human life. Things would change. Now I have to acknowledge the likelihood of that is very small. And yet we can each make our part in that, take our part in that. And we can cultivate in our own hearts this capacity to witness suffering, to stand with suffering, to stand with not only our own suffering, but the suffering of all of those, of the victims, of their families, of those in hospitals right now struggling for their lives, of the family, of the the young man who killed those people standing with that suffering
2: Hmm.
1: understanding suffering standing with suffering that's what we're asked to do and from that place of opening our hearts to that of seeing all of the undercurrents and feeling that some of those undercurrents you know every one of us here you know we may have those those undercurrents of anger and confusion and hatred around this and that's layered on top of this wish that this not be so the wish that human beings would not do this to each other and can we land with that wish? That wish of compassion? Because that wish that human beings love each other, behave kind, with kindness and compassion, that's a wish of metta. And can we allow our actions? to come out of that place rather than out of the place of anger or hatred or confusion it takes opening to all of it to begin to feel those threads of love and compassion underneath all of it and each of us will have our own way of exploring and expressing that compassion compassion is so active it's an active emotion it wants to do something. And I think that's where we, you know, we, we, we have that movement of wanting to do something and it gets hooked up with our anger and our hatred. And so can we take a step back, stand with our own pain, the pain of others, and then act from non-hatred so what what are your thoughts? yeah, would you pass back
0: <clears throat>
1: I don't think so.
3: It should be on now, okay uh sixteen years ago um I got very sick due to defective plumbing in a cabin I was renting, and the owners of the cabin themselves had serious medical problems and financial problems, and I was debating uh, – pretty sure I should turn them into the, report them to the Board of Health, but debating it due to their own bad situation. And I talked this over with uh, family and friends in Unitarian clergy. And they all said, yes, to protect the following, to protect future tenants of the cabin, you definitely have to uh, report them to the Board of Health. This is, uh, I know you're angry, but this is just a matter of basic justice, not revenge. Nonetheless, after I went to the Board of Health and reported them, I felt welling up in me enormous uh, Feelings of violent hatred and wishing that they uh, suffered horribly, hoping they would lose their home as a consequence and uh, uh, have to retire. And I just, I, my, my Unitarian clergy, my family and friends, had all told me the just and right thing to do was to report them. But then, after I did, I felt these intense feelings of vindictive, violent rage af- after doing it, uh, which I could not. Uh, completely well, so there is this paradox yeah I mean
1: the, the, that's the, the place there that I'm pointing to is that you know it's like unless we open to all of it yeah. likely our actions will come from that place because they're so potent they're so powerful and so that's, that's uh, you know some of the work we're asked to do and there are times, <clears throat> you know, there are times when we have to take action quickly. You know, it's like we can't always think, oh, all right, let me, you know, close my eyes and be mindful with this situation if we're confronted with something in the moment. You know, it's like, uh, you know, sometimes we have to act and do the best we can and then face what follows. And so the upwelling of those feelings again—not repressing those. It's like those are conditioned also, partly based on perhaps having responded, and uh, you know, some, some at some level, perhaps that action did come from some of those feelings, and so that kind of can reinforce them, and so that's that's something we need to explore and
3: watch. Uh, I do remember at the time thinking of some of the more. Violent verses in the book of Psalms, and thinking, okay, I'm experiencing this. maybe I shouldn't be quite as judgmental against those <laughs> those <laughs> passages <laughs> yeah
1: yeah i mean it's it's humbling it's humbling to see that <clears throat> yeah, in the back
0: <clears throat> I have a lot of anger towards religion. Not the people, but just religion. Because throughout history, religion has massacred people and it's still doing it. And I, I include all religion. <laughs> so I, I'm more leaning towards atheist philosophy mm-hmm. than religion. Because I think religion is like, it's like a poison. It actually stimulates anger. And um, it makes me angry when I see people talking about religion and justifying homophobia or killing
1: yeah there's, there's again the the way our minds work you know the the, the complexity of the way our minds work um, views the Buddha really pointed to views as being a, a, a source of the conflict that it happens in the world. He, he came back to that and said it's holding to views. Holding to views will uh, create these divisions and separations and conflicts. And, you know, that's... People want to hold the views, you know? It's like the, the, the way our minds work. We want something to hang our... Uh, this is what's right. This is what's wrong. Our, our minds don't actually deal with the complexity that well or that easily and so you know the 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 kind of natural tendency of the mind to solidify around views can be exacerbated in religion it easily solidified. It can be solidified in religion, and in some ways, you know, the Buddha kept pointing back to this. He, he said, you know, even the Dharma is not to be clung to. Even the Dharma is not to be held to as some, you know, holding it up as some ideology. Um, and so, the you know the, the, it's there is that is a piece of what's happening here, you know, that there, there's the, the clinging to views, and it's happening in so many different areas. And what we can do here is to look in our own hearts around, you know, what are our, our views? And, uh, you know, I talked about views, I don't remember if I talked about, I think I talked about it here, I did, I talked about it here. Um, about how much of our suffering is related to that holding to views and and again you know views are kind of part of how our minds work and what the danger there is that the way we work with them or the way our mind kind of solidifies around them is to not recognize it as a view that may be useful or not useful maybe help us in a certain direction or not help us in a certain direction, but solidifies around it as, oh, this is true, and everything else is wrong. And that's, that's a big piece of what the Buddha pointed to around views was that congealing and saying, only this is true, everything else is wrong, everything else is worthless. If you don't stand with me, you are against me. This This othering, this... And so, yes, it's not. I, I don't really blame religion. It's kind of the way our minds work. It's it's you know it's it's politics does the same thing. You know, creating these divisions. It's people want something to congeal around to say this is what's right, this is what's wrong. And so it's it's the functioning of our mind that is at uh, at uh, the root of it. Not, and you know where did religion come from? It came out of human minds. <laughs> it's this is this is the it, the human mind tends to out of greed, aversion, and delusion create structures and then cling to them. So it's it's in our own hearts and minds that we have to look at that tendency. You know, as I said in my own in my own experience you know it's like that tendency there's a tendency to to congeal around yeah you know my mind in the past few days has been revolving particularly my mind has been going around the the gun control piece you know that's piece my mind has been going around and and um you know it's like well it's it's more complex than that you know there's the the whole (coughs) um the issue of of uh homophobia you know that not having that particular rifle weapon on the street, that particular person may have found another way to do that. So it's just, it's so complex. So the, the um, uh, you know, but we, I think we are asked to look at that, even that tendency in our own hearts to congeal around truth and belief and see where, you know, where do we land and to to keep keep trying to recognize. Okay, this is a belief. This is a belief. This is a perspective. And can I hold the complexity of multiple perspectives and how the suffering is coming from that? Thank you. Yeah, yeah. The, do pass the
2: mic forward. Um. My body does this thing when I feel like I have something really important to say where it like really freaks out. It's doing that right now. <clears throat> this piece around views, I'm so glad that you're bringing this up because people's views around this particular um, event um, and that people have been expressing to me has actually caused me a lot of suffering. There are people in my life that you know, have these very strong views about gun control and then they just use it as a way to go off about that. Or, you know, a friend of mine, when I first heard about this um, and was just like crying my eyes out, just like devastated by the pain, um, said something like, you know, it didn't matter that it was like a club of, of gay and queer and trans folks, mostly people of color, like that it just, it could have been anyone. And it's like, that view caused so much pain because he doesn't, as a straight, white, affluent man, he doesn't understand, like, the queer experience or, like, the queer people of color or trans people's experience of, like, okay, now, you know, thinking about all the times for me that I've been in these clubs, like, it could have been me and my friends. And, like, he doesn't have, he doesn't live with that reality. I live with that reality. These other folks live with that reality in these communities I'm a part of. And so when people, like, come to me my straight friends with these views about like what needs to change and like what what it's from and all this stuff it's like can you please not bypass the pain and the fear and the like the direct impact this has on us and so i have like a a request or an offering of a suggestion to folks, especially folks who are st- straight white, have other people in their in their families who are trans or queer, pe- trans queer people of color, Muslim folks who are being hugely impacted by this, to like not come at us like with these views of like this is what needs to change, this is what needs to happen, this is what went wrong, and like that kind of energy instead of like I'm so sorry, like how is this for you? How is this impacting you and your communities? Like. Because it's... I I find myself not wanting to be in communication with these folks. Like, I just want to find my queer friends and be like, yo, can we talk about the pain? Like, can we feel this? Can we, like, stop trying to blame anyone? Like, I don't feel any blame for this human being who committed this. I think he was in a a ton of pain that I can't even imagine. And so hearing all this blame, it's just like, yo, I just want to... It's so hard, so please, like, try to feel it with us. Like, just try to... I know it's hard, but, like, it takes a lot of courage to feel it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, standing with. Standing Standing with.
2: with.
1: Yeah. 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 Thank you.
0: I found your talk really helpful, and what, what, um, what shifted for me, I think there's um, a lot of resignation in the face of how much is happening, and how little is changing, and um, in the talk about views and our wanting to, the call to action, one of the responses that we have that kind of denies our suffering. I I just went somehow went deeper into this sense of powerlessness in in a positive way like truly there isn't much I can do about yes. this other than my own practice and my own behavior and my own little ways of changing the world but and then when I could really take that in and accept it like truly accept it then I could really feel the depths of the sadness of yeah. the suffering It's just like, oh, okay, this is, this is, and it's sad.
1: And out of that place may come some response.
0: Exactly. Then there's a deeper ability to connect to everyone, wherever they are in their suffering um, around this situation or or anything. Um, And one other little thing I wanted to add... (laughs) Well, no, I don't think I'll add that. It's, compli- it's more political, so I won't say that. Okay. Yeah, so thank you. Thank you.
1: Oh, why don't we sit together? Unless there's somebody else, I want to leave room there's somebody else who has something to offer. Let's sit together for a few minutes and seeing if we can, first of all, open to exactly how we are right now. All the complexity of this human experience. Seeing if there can be a sense of being with. I sometimes open or feel that that being with is like a container that just holds. Whatever is here, it doesn't need to figure it out, it doesn't need to pull it apart. However, you are, it just is, and then opening to holding in your hearts also all of those who were killed and all of those who survive and are struggling the, with their lives all of the families and friends and partners And can you be with that, stand with that pain? Not trying to fix it in this moment, or change it, or avoid it, or repress it. Can you stand with it, be with, be with it? an opening further out to the LGBTQ community, the queer community, the transgender, lesbian, bisexual, gay community around the world, around the country, who are also suffering, and all of their families and friends and the community of Muslims also suffering around this and their families and friends recognizing that we are all connected in this we are not so distant from what happened can you stand with that Opening to that, we can in our hearts express we stand with you in this pain. It is not separate. We stand with you. We stand together